That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome. I'm Andrew Dice. And I'm Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the Minute, a podcast devoted to rewatching Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice one single minute at a time. And believe it or not, we've arrived at minute 82. Kryptonite has entered the scene. Lex Luthor has it in his possession. And as we left him opening a crate to see what he had found, not knowing that Batman was, I guess, figuratively watching through his tracker, we start to transition out of this previous sequence of the Batmobile and Batman versus Superman and the Nightmare sequence and all of that great stuff into what comes next. Yeah, I think I'll have probably more details on that, talk about that in the next minute where I think it kind of culminates. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think this is very much the end of what would this be the third section, I think, if we're going to divide it up into um, kind of we've marked these single arcs and I feel like we're coming to the end of of the third or arguably depending on where you split it it could be like the fourth but i think it's the third for me this is the 82nd part <laughs> so minute 82 let's get into it how do we determine what's good in a democracy good is a conversation not a unilateral decision so i urge superman to come to this hill of the people tomorrow to see those who have suffered i just want to skip to mercy yeah. If that's okay, because this is the, what I remember is, you know, it's kryptonite and Mercy steps forward and we see the kryptonite reflected in her glasses, which is an awesome touch that I appreciate now upon closer viewing. But she smiles at Lex, you know, this plan is coming together. But but now with her stepping forward and KG Beast not, KG Beast is very much working for Lex. He's even the guy that you know, almost got killed bringing this thing to Lex, but he has no interest. He is standing his post and it is Mercy who steps forward into Lex's moment with the kryptonite. And Lex gives her a look, a meaningful, like he is looking at her, not like they are looking at each other. Right. Is how I, is how I read it. And now after that scene earlier with June Finch in his office, I can only think this is him realizing I'm going to have to kill Mercy. Because this is not us. This is not our mission together. This is mine. KG Beast, he's great. He knows his role. He's working for me. He's, he's doing what he's supposed to. But when Mercy stepped forward and made this our victory or, or our plan coming together, his look is so cold. Yeah. And, and knowing that I, I can only see that now as this is the moment. I don't know if Mercy is going to realize was the moment. You know, later on when she's sitting in the Capitol. But for me, yeah. I definitely see that as this. It's one of those fascinating shots where there, there's very clearly a purpose to it. But because her role in the movie is like she has no dialogue, but she's always up to this moment, kind of always just there with with Lex. And I think, like you said, much more with Lex as opposed to like behind Lex, like, um, like KG beast is. And yeah, so there's always a, been a big question there about like, what is he, what is his, his issue here? And I think that your, your, what you just said is, is probably the, the, that's the thing that makes the most sense. Cause there's so many different, like, what does that look mean? And like, why does the camera linger? And like, what's the significance 
of this. Like there, there needs to be a, a an importance to the larger movie beyond just like, oh hey, Lex and Mercy have a moment, or like you said, it's yeah, more yeah. Lex having a moment because there's no her purpose in the movie is really just as one of his plot devices, and so her so the purpose here is once again kind of turning the wheels in in his head. Yeah, and so very much I I, I think that that that's probably him coming to the realization that. Also, I think that she's probably know is more aware of what this is than KG Beast is. He just knows that he's delivering something for Lex. I I believe I don't know, but it, it's probably all he wants to know, <laughs> right? Um, whereas Mercy, she knows because she was you know she was there when he struck the deal to to get it imported, and you know, and she's like way more involved in his business. And so I don't know if she's necessarily a threat to him, but she's certainly the only other person in the movie up to this point that has any idea what's going on in a macro sense. That's where we leave it with Lex looking at Mercy. And then we take, considering what we've been talking about for the past several minutes, the most unexpected leap of all time to Lois Lane and General Swanwick. I guess Lois waiting for General Swanwick. And we haven't seen Lois since, um, well, last time we saw her, she was, she was with Swanwick, right? Yeah, I, b- I believe the last time we saw Lois, she was getting basically read the riot act by General Swanwick saying his his perspective of what she is doing in her investigation, which is trying to put the halo back on Superman's head, absolve him from any of the things he's being accused of in Nairobi. I think I don't think we ever we were maybe unclear on how Lois how much like how close to the bullseye Swanwick actually was. But here she is in the rain, in the dark, saying, I mean, basically, I just want to find out what happened. Don't we all? For, yeah. And I think, first of all, this th- this movie very much um, embraces the sort of noir aesthetic oh, yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, Especially Fong scenes, yeah. Yeah, Larry Fong's cinematography is so, like, even, like, the difference between, like, Man of Steel and this is um like Man of Steel is way more kind of documentary, way brighter in a lot of ways. The contrast is still there, but like the like the framing of this shot where like the only thing that's really lit is like through the archway, which you know puts the focus obviously right on Lois and uh and Swanwick in the rain. And you've got like the neon signs behind them. And so I think it's a good reminder that this is not a superhero movie even though that like that's so easy to kind of lose that in in the aesthetic and it kind of brings it to me back to that like oh no this is like at its heart it's a political intrigue mystery um and this really is at the heart of what's going on is is her kind of trying to figure out what is going on with this bullet lays her cards out on the table to general swanwick i think in the way that we would expect her to after man of steel saying she was touched by what happened there which we saw uh, she's carrying it with her. And now I think both as a journalist and as someone who was there and experienced it and was partly responsible, probably she wants to find out what happened and is more or less saying this ends here. If if you don't take this and find out what you can. Well, she's literally handing off her, her evidence, right? She's just more interested in getting the truth out there than she is at doing it herself at that point. And so here her handing off the bullet, it's not like her story is gone, but she no longer like he could make that disappear and then she's got nothing. So it's, it's a big kind of leap of faith on her part. Um, 
and uh, but also kind of it 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 puts the burden on him she knows that he's not someone that would just make that disappear even if he's going to push back against it he's not going to disrespect that that responsibility i guess now we should mention we know she is saying this to john jones the martian manhunter someone who we would presume does not think superman is a murderer so my other question and one of those ones that i'd love to ask zach sometime is was was stuff like this written with that in mind i don't think it, it breaks it by any stretch but how do how does what Swanwick is doing here, or like what his he's been saying, how does that align with Martian Manhunter's motives? Or, you know, John Jones is principled enough that he's not going to betray the motivations of his persona for the sake of you know covering Superman. Because I'm sure maybe he's on you know he would like for Superman to be good, but he may have his own questions or concerns about letting another alien have that you know undue influence or you you kind of can't talk about the fact that he is taking the burden of clearing superman's name essentially here without kind of acknowledging the fact that like this is another alien taking on that that responsibility so so it is it is curious but yeah we're, there's there's too little information for us to say more than kind of that's what's happening <laughs> and what when it comes to like what is what it means well maybe we'll call back to this when we get to that point in justice league by the minute what we know right now is that we're going from this uncertainty and suspicion and mystery into the one person in this movie that we can rely on to cut through the BS, will not accept Granny's PhD. Knows how to wrestle a pig. It is June Finch on television from the U.S. Capitol saying, you've heard the dialogue that she said <laughs> going into going into this minute because it begins what is basically so many of the things that we've talked about earlier with her character and surrounding it that it would almost be sur superfluous to people listening to this podcast to go through them one at a time. But she's hitting all of the major questions that were previously making Clark throw his napkin down on his plate, right? What is good? What is what is <laughs> yeah. good mean? Democracy and truth and all of this are yeah. not right and wrong. It's a conversation. And that is mainly one of the reasons that it's frustrating for Clark. That conversation is not being had. We, we know how that feels. As our listeners may have picked up on, I, I'm clearly very much itching to, to jump into this because what, what is leading into that we're getting to the end of this section of, of the movie, which is, is bookended with this. Like the, this, this section um, was led into with the news broadcast and, and Finch answering the must there be a Superman question with there is. And then we get, you know, all this stuff in between of Clark seeking truth, right? Clark approaching people to find out what uh, what's going on. You have Lois pursuing the, the getting bullet. Getting your perspectives, getting what facts you can. Yeah, you have Wallace um, kind of being approached by Lex and all that. And that's all, you know, been here in the in the past. And then, you know, throw in Bruce Wayne reciting the Cheney Doctrine in the middle of that. Um, and now... What's the only solution, Stephen? How could we ever possibly come to some kind of resolution? <laughs> we need to talk about it. And so now we're back here again, and and June's yeah. So June's coming back in to remind us that that's that's what this section is about. That's what led into it, and that's how we're leading out of it. How do we determine what's good? It's a conversation. It's not a unilateral decision. And then as uh, as a little teaser of what this next minute is going to look like, I'll hold back on getting into that as I have been for past five minutes <laughs> but um 
as she says that, it, it the camera jumps to Wallace. And she says, how do we determine what's good? It's a conversation, not a unilateral decision. As the camera is like, here's Wallace Keefe. There's no need for her to speak subtext here. The, the movie is the subtext, and now she is basically confirming these scenes we've seen and this dialogue we've listened to has all been for the purpose of geez, who is right here? What is good and what is bad and what is right and what is wrong? She is posing that the only solution to that is to have a conversation about it as equals. Through that, we find our democracy. Well, she says, I urge Superman to come to the Hill of the People tomorrow to see those who have suffered. Hammering on that, not not to hear their stories, because we know he's been hearing their stories, but what's the theme with Superman about he's not looking? And so it's I find it really interesting for her to say to see come to the hill of the people tomorrow to see we should also mention because people will probably wonder the statue that she's standing in front of is a statue of andrew jackson which is in the real u.s capital we could go into all manner of what that symbolizes but yeah the, we could do a whole episode on on the significance of throwing that statue in the background here <laughs> in the in the movie itself it's cool just because the the, the specific statue although it's blurred out in the background it does look I, the cape. Uh, conveniently, it looks like someone standing there in a cape. It almost looks like an old school, like Superman, like a 40s Superman. Yeah, with the arms posed. Yeah. And so as a figure of controversy, he was a, a populist who, in many ways, arguably, I think, achieved that in certain senses about protecting people from the overreach of the of the bank and, and kind of held the union together for, you know, I think people would argue whether or not it should be held together. But he... As a as a figure of as a, as a leader, he he did that and was popular because of it. But also was known for kind of ruling, well, like with an iron fist. He was famous for like participating in duels and like beating people, <laughs> like literally. Like he was old Hickory, I think was his nickname because he would like beat people with a stick. But but he as a as like a iron willed kind of leader had that kind of respect. But also at the same time, like is responsible for the trail of tears and and other stuff like that. And so uh, you can't it's hard. I think as we kind of talked about when we talked about like Batman reciting Cheney is that some of this stuff is too complicated to say this person was a good person or, or a bad person more so than you can say these acts were good acts and these acts were bad acts and they were all done by the same person. <laughs> But the, the bigger thing I want to call attention to is in this story, we have already brought up Superman as a Christ analog and the crucifixion of himself and two others, the penitent thief and the unpenitent thief, that I cannot hear June Finch say, I'm asking him to come to this hill of the people and see those who have suffered without feeling some kind of ominous. The suggestion that... Politically and literally, she is asking Superman to come and look upon people who have suffered. Metatextually, I can't help but think, boy, if he goes to this hill, something very bad might happen. And it might not be him literally crucified. Figuratively is definitely in play, especially because that is exactly where the minute punctuates this. Yeah. Like she's going to continue saying things, but in this minute, all she's saying is come to this hill of the people and, and see those who suffered. Well, and it's so very, very, very much a preamble to a more fascinating or not more fascinating, but a, a, a very fascinating minute. It, yeah, it is an interesting 
ask of of Superman also because like if Superman had hired me for I guess like his to manage his PR <laughs> as his like image consultant, I'd be like, there's no good that's going to come from this. Even if things like go well, you're putting yourself in front of a camera and you are opening yourself up to people furthering their narratives about you. And yes, if you don't show up, they'll be able to paint you as callous or uncaring or or project motives onto you, but they will be doing it as a conspiracy or without backing. Um, but if you do show up, um, sure, maybe you will say the right thing, but you will also give people the opportunity to twist your words, to twist your motivations, to make assumptions, to project onto you. Um, and... Uh, not not to say that it's wrong for him to be there, but it is a really interesting like even even if we uh, completely excluding what ends up happening here, um, it's opening himself up to a world of of problems given the nature of like if he shows up, he's taking ownership. Like when she says to see those who have suffered, him showing up is in a way like implicitly acknowledging that he is re- he is involved in their suffering. Yeah, this is framing it as. If he were to go, that would be a massive demonstration of faith. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it's also fascinating kind of in the context of, like, um, I don't know. There's not as much to talk about it in in this minute, and so it may come up again later. But a similar moment in, um, in The Boys where Homelander goes to confront people saying things about him. <laughs> And, and how that kind of goes, goes very differently. But like, there's the assumption that, oh, if I could just tell them my side, they'll get it. And like in the boys, he's like, oh, all they need to do, like, I, I have the, I can just tell them what's going on. Not that he's, you know, his motives are obviously his circumstances were different, but there's a belief that like, oh, they just need to hear what I have to say and they'll get it. And that's not, that's not how it works. And, and I don't know if Superman knows that or not. I've got a feeling he does, though, but he knows that, like, he can't turn a blind eye to it. It's also worth pointing out that when Senator June Finch was talking to Charlie Rose, Clark was watching. So Clark knows who she is. Right. He would know as much about her as we do, which is that she seems like a person of principle who, well, if she was, you know, from a different part of America. Hmm. Well, I'll come back to that. That's not a wholly baked idea, but... No, but I think that they're, they're – I, I don't know if I'll continue to maybe pull at that thread. I don't know if I can hit the, the nail on what you're talking about. But him being from Kansas and her being from Kentucky is is a similar – like they're they're different, but it's similar enough that like they they both come from that like heartland, humble look in the – you know, they both know how to wrestle a pig. <laughs> like he Like they see each other. I think in a way she doesn't know that he sees her maybe because she doesn't know Superman is from Kansas, but he sees her and he sees familiarity and, and trust in her because of, because of that. Well, her speech is not over. No, it's not, but it is over for us. Well, that sounded grim. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this minute of the movie has come to an end. And so must this podcast for, for now. As always, if you've enjoyed the show, tell a friend, leave us a positive review on iTunes, uh, or mixed, I guess. It's not really fair. Beggars can't be choosers, so... I mean, leave a leave a good review. Oh, yeah, Lee, yeah, I, I mean... I would, like, I would like a good review. Be honest, but honestly, it's, it's, it's a good show, right? So leave a good review. What is bad 
when it comes to podcasts, right? It's not a unilateral decision. But yeah, find everything that we're doing at SnyderMinute.com. You can find us on Twitter at BVS by the minute and at JL by the minute. And you can support us on Patreon if you're so inclined at patreon.com slash Snyder Minute. Until next minute, for Superman to go to the U.S. Capitol, let's just say he belonged in the men's room too, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking you know what about. Saying? Yeah. But balls like those. Okay, so you started from you started from being overly subtle <laughs> <laughs> to like this has to What is happening? <laughs> um, uh, stuff is being moved around.